guys welcome welcome uh, this is the introduction to the pastoral epistles and uh, what we're going to be talking about here today is uh, some background and information so that you can have a an accurate backdrop of what's going on uh, behind the scenes and leading up to and during and after uh, all these things that we're going to be talking about in, in first Timothy in second Timothy and also in the book of Titus so in this video, we're going to be covering a lot of Titus and Paul's relationship and their, their travels together. And Titus, we have uh, sadly much less information on and only a few short chapters in the Bible uh, for his letter from Paul. Um, but I think knowing Timothy to the intimate level that we can understand his life from the scriptures and history is really going to help us get a real clear understanding of uh, also, uh, Titus and their relationship and the nature of Titus's work. So we're going to be looking at a few things. The first thing I want us to look at is uh, this timeline here. If you look on uh, the screen, we've got AD 1 all the way to uh, 160 here. And here we see a possible uh, couple of dates for when the uh, books of First and Second Timothy would have been written. Uh, they would have been written within a short span of time. And I wanted to make note of a few things here. So if you look here, we have um, Timothy assist Paul's uh, missionary work. Uh, this would be 50s to 60s. So somewhere in that, that 10 year period, uh, there is extensive missionary journey uh, traveling of these two guys together. And also what you're going to see here is you're going to see a bunch of different dates, and I want to explain why that is. Uh, we're not going to get uh, down a rabbit trail for this video. Maybe another video I'll address these issues. But essentially what we're seeing with so many possible dates is, if you look at, say, here, we have first letter to Timothy is written, and the space is AD 62 to AD 63. If we look over here at uh, this book reference, right, and if I click on this, uh, it can give you a, a list of different references of books that this is citing in this Logos Bible software. Also, if we look here, uh, there's some other references that would put uh, Timothy being written uh, all the way here to the second century, right? So Timothy would be dead by here. And if you uh, look... If you can see on the screen, it'll say uh, 2nd century AD letters to Timothy and Titus are written if uh, that huge big word, which uh, if I'm saying it right, is pseudepigraphal. And what that means is that, say, um, someone were to have written this letter um, long after Timothy's life, after he had died, and Timothy or, or Paul, uh, excuse me, if Paul would have written this letter after his death to Timothy, but it wasn't actually Paul, this is where we get this idea of pseudepigraphal writings. We have these in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, I don't think at all, not even a little bit, that that is what's going on here in the New Testament writings in the pastoral epistles. I don't think any of the letters in the New Testament are pseudepigraphal. Uh, and the reason for that, um, I base my opinions on church history. And so in church history, uh, we see that it was really frowned upon. We even see uh, cases where uh, church leaders are condemned and kicked out of bishops for writing these uh, pseudepigraphal type letters. And also the reason I believe is uh, something called the early church fathers. So if we look at the Christians that were in Jesus' time, uh, shortly after, there's a big group of uh, leaders in the church called the early church fathers, who are these church leaders who are writing about the Bible. They're, they're talking through the theology of the New Testament. They're trying to come up with positions and thoughts on all these different kinds of theological issues. And we see clearly that they hold firmly uh, to these letters as being written by 
Paul. So it's not until uh, higher criticism in, um, say, 1800s and beyond that we get into this extreme skepticism and doubt of these letters. So a little bit of a rant, but I just want to explain, yeah, there's going to be discrepancy in letters. And the reason I wanted to get into that for these books particularly is because for these letters, they're actually, uh, for most scholars that you read and, and research as I have been doing, uh, they don't consider them being written by Paul. And I think that's a grand mistake. Uh, and we'll talk about that as we dive into the text. Uh, for those of you who are new, uh, if you want to jump into the text, uh, that's not this video. This is just a primer on that video. And we're going to be jumping into those uh, three books chapter by chapter uh, in the days ahead. But with that being said, uh, these letters seem to be clearly written by Paul. They're, they're addressed as having been written by Paul within the books themselves. And so I think the church uh, most definitely would have kicked these books out. They would not have accepted them as part of the New Testament canon if they were not truly uh, written by uh, who they say they are, which is Paul. So with that being said, uh, the date for this, I'd put it in the the mid-60s somewhere, it's really hard to peg down specific dates for these, these books, but somewhere probably around 62, 63, uh, I would say is when 1 Timothy was written. And uh, sometime after that shortly is when Paul would have written 2 Timothy, and then that would have been uh, right before his death, before he was uh, killed, martyred. So uh, for these pastoral epistles, uh, there's the dates um, and the reason why that's maybe debated. Also, I just want to uh, briefly mention, like I said, we're not going to get too into it, but generally how criticism of New Testament authorship is done is they look at the text of the book of the Bible and they say, okay, this writing here in Paul in First uh, and Second Timothy is different from the writing of Paul in Romans. And on a basic level, some of the reason for that is because when Paul is writing to, say, the Romans, he's writing to the church, first of all, and also he's trying to teach them a theology and doctrine for living. Where we compare that to, say, First and Second Timothy, Timothy has been with Paul for years. He was converted with Paul and has been discipled with him for years and has not left his side. So, we may have some wording differences in these letters and that shouldn't bother us. Oh no, it wasn't written by Paul. No, maybe it was just written to a very different audience. And so for me, that, that's really a weak argument to say, well, the, the, the Greek words that are used here are significantly different. Well, maybe they are and maybe it's a totally different audience. And all that to say, I think that um, while this is primarily written to Timothy, uh, these two letters and Titus, that isn't to say that if you're not a pastor, you should just turn your brain off when you get this part of the Bible or that it's unimportant or irrelevant. Uh, on the contrary, it's actually probably one of the most important things as a Christian that you could really focus on to help your pastor or pastors or leaders of your church to really uh, delve into what would be uh, healthy church, biblical church. And so if you are oblivious to the teachings of the Bible, and, and granted, these are short little chapters, but if you're oblivious to the teachings, you're not going to be able to be a faithful Christian in the sense that you're not going to be able to help your pastor push towards healthier and healthier church life and be a vital part of that body. Um, so these letters are super, super important. Another reason these letters are super important and um, we're going to be delving into these, I think, at least at the time of these being written in 2020 with the coronavirus, with us having been socially distanced for almost a, a full year now, uh, it's really hopefully brought us to a place where we're starting to rethink, okay, is how we do church biblical? What does the Bible teach us for how we do church? What does the Bible not teach us for how we do church? What do we do that's biblical? What do we do that's not biblical. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We should be asking these kinds of questions. And, and uh, if you'll follow along with me, we're going to really delve into these things in these chapters. So 
with that being said, no further ado, I'm going to continue on with this. Uh, as I said, I, I would put this uh, date around um, 62, 63 AD. This will be 30 years after the death of Christ and well into Paul's uh, life as a Christian. And for Timothy, we're also going to see that um, he is a very, very prominent uh, player in early Christianity. And so something that I've really been challenged as I've been studying these things deeply is maybe that we should see Timothy in a different light than we usually see him. Usually when I think of First and Second Timothy and Titus as they're titled the pastoral epistles, I think of Timothy as, as I think of the average pastor. And, and uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. While Timothy did uh, play in pastoral type roles and, and do those type things, Timothy was more predominantly a, a servant of or a helper for uh, an agent of Paul. And he did what Paul needed him to do as Paul was traveling. And so we're going to look into some of these travels of Paul and his missionary journey uh, to start off with. And I want to talk to you as well a little bit about Timothy. With Timothy, we, we really pick up in Lystra. Right here, I've got an atlas pulled up. I uh, just want to show you a little bit about uh, where Timothy and Paul started together. Um, so we see uh, Paul chooses uh, Silas, Barnabas, he uh, chooses Mark. So with this first missionary journey, uh, we see that, that Paul and Silas travel and go to Lystra. So if you look at this map with me, try to zoom in for you. Hopefully not too much. Sorry about that. Paul travels from Tarsus. If you're familiar with the Bible, um, you'll know that's the birthplace of Paul. And he travels from here, follows this road, goes through Derby, and, and lands in Lystra. Okay. And this is significant because this is where Timothy is. And with Timothy living here, growing up here, uh, Paul encounters not only Timothy, but his whole family and town. And so uh, I want us to look to Timothy's life and learn a little bit about some background about what the scripture says about Timothy, what the scriptures say about uh, Paul and, and their relationship so that we can better understand the text that we're jumping into uh, for First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus. I think this video is going to be extremely helpful. Yes, it may be a little long-winded, but it's going to be so crucial for helping you understand these epistles. And if you have the time or take the time to watch these, it's really, I think, going to change the way you're seeing all of these things in the New Testament. I think it'll be extremely beneficial for you. So uh, just a, a shameless plug there. I think it is worth the time. So starting off with Paul and Timothy, I want to take you to a, a couple different passages throughout the Bible as they sprinkle in all these different facts and, and informations about uh, Timothy so that we can kind of group them together and paint a full picture of who Timothy is and what he's like and that relationship there. So I want to first start off with uh, Acts chapter 16. Uh, we're going to jump there. If you'll follow with me along in the screen. I think this verse is really important because uh, it, it gives us some, some really good background about Timothy. I'll read, it says, Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, as we just looked at on the map, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman. Now, this is important, but his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. Um, I'm hoping to address actually the circumcision um, between Timothy and Titus because Titus isn't circumcised, but we see here that Paul does circumcise Timothy. We'll address that in a later video in this series. But nevertheless... Um, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him circumcised, and because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek, 
As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So one of the first things that we see here with Timothy is that uh, his mother is a, it doesn't just say a Jewish woman. I want you to notice it says here a believing Jewish woman. So she is a, a follower of Yahweh. She's a worshiper of Yahweh. Um, it seems here clearly his father's not. And they also, uh, I want you to note here that, that the brothers and sisters or, or the fellow believers says spoke highly of him. I think that's also significant. So Timothy has built up a reputation for himself of being a, a devout worshiper of God. And when Paul comes into the town, uh, Paul sees this and he sees a lot of potential. And so Paul uh, reaches out to Timothy. I wish we could be a fly on the wall in that conversation, but um, Timothy and Paul become close companions quickly. And we actually see uh, shortly, we'll see Timothy joining Paul in, in his next uh, missionary journey. So I wanted to point out Acts 16 for you. That's important background. Also, I wanted to point out 2 Timothy 3.15. This is a, a point in 2 Timothy, which we'll get to later on. But for verse, verse uh, excuse me, 14 and 15, we see Paul says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, uh, being his mother and his grandmother, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, so Timothy Having been brought up by a believing Jewish woman, his mother uh, raised him not only um, to be a person of character, but also raised him up uh, to train him in the knowledge of the scriptures. Um, so that's also very important to note. Also, uh, I want to take you over to First uh, uh, Corinthians 4.17. I think this passage is also very important. Now, this is for a separate church, right? The church of Corinth. But it also speaks to this relationship, which I'm trying to establish. You understand these pastoral epistles and the relationship between Timothy and Titus and Paul. In verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, This is why I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. And what I want you to see, uh, Paul references Timothy as his son or his son in the Lord, often in the Bible, in the New Testament. And it would lead many of us to believe that whether uh, Paul was possibly instrumental in the conversion of Timothy, we don't know. Uh, but we do know that he was instrumental in the discipleship of Timothy. So it's quite possible that Timothy was converted as a younger man before he met Paul, and, and he was ready to go when uh, he met Paul upon the um, missionary journey where Paul came through Lystra. But it's also possible that, that maybe there was this groundwork that had been built by his parents, and then when Paul came through, he was converted. Nevertheless, either way, uh, we don't know the answer completely, but we do know that Paul was very important in his relationship with the Lord and instrumental in his uh, deep maturing. Uh, so those are a couple of verses uh, about Timothy and about uh, Paul and, and kind of their beginnings as Paul comes from Tarsus all the way through Lystra. Next, I, I want us to... Uh, look at a few events. So after Timothy's conversion, we have the next event is uh, Timothy's ordination. We're not given tons of details about this, but along the path somewhere, uh, Timothy is appointed by Paul as a, a fellow minister and is uh, going to journey with him and Silas, uh, as you'll see here on the map, all the way to Troas, and the accompanying towns that they went through there. I think this is significant um, to point out that 
Paul did lay hands on him. We'll also see this in the text, okay? So we're, we're getting a clear picture of um, Timothy's faith journey and um, how God is going to use him. And, and he has really interesting beginnings before he's really left on his own after Paul's death. So we see the Lord preparing him in a really interesting way. The best passages we're going to look at really quick, which we'll cover in the text um, later in this series, is going to be 1 Timothy 4.14, also 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 6. And Paul in those verses is going to speak on how Timothy, through uh, prophecy, uh, through the um, separating by the Holy Spirit, is separated out for this special task, the work of the ministry, um, to be a leader, an elder, a servant of the gospel in this very unique way. And uh, Paul is going to encourage him in these letters to not let that little fire uh, blow out, not to let that uh, gift be silenced or stifled. And so, but I want to mention, as we looked at this timeline, right, the 50s to 60s, uh, AD, there's this long time, time period where, where Timothy and Paul are, are journeying together, uh, going through various towns. I want to mention a couple of these here. Um, I'm probably going to mar the wording on some of these. Please forgive me. Uh, Phrygia, I know I said that wrong. Uh, Galatia, that's an important town to uh, notice why. Well, the, the book of Galatians, Galatia, Galatians. Mycia, Troas, Neapolis, uh, Philippi, right? Philippians, right? So these books in the Bible are usually letters that are written from Paul to people of a certain place. So notice these similarities. Philippi, right? The book of Philippians. Amphibolus, uh, Apollonia, Thessalonica, First and Second Thessalonians, Thessalonica, Thessalonians, and Berea, uh, along with a couple others. Um, but but as we'll see here on this atlas, uh, Paul and Timothy travel everywhere together, and uh, Timothy is Paul's right hand man, and in many ways is an unsung hero of the faith. And so, uh, Paul goes uh, from Lystra to Troas with Timothy. And I'm not going to dwell on these too long, but I'm, like I said, I'm trying to give you a, a backdrop of what's going on here before we just jump into the book of, of Timothy. Also, we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy go from Lystra to Troas, from Troas, as I just mentioned, that long list of places, to Philippi, where we see the book of Philippians, the church of the Philippians, uh, and the work they do there. Uh, from Philippi to Berea, we see Paul, Silas, and Timothy again on this missionary journey. Um, and so after this, I want you to know this, and you may not be able to see it on the screen, but after this journey, we have a, from Berea to Athens um, right here. We just have uh, Paul, okay? So Acts chapter 17, verse 15, if you're looking along with me. Uh, we'll see those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. So Paul went along without them. And I want to, I want to mention this because this is all throughout the entirety of the New Testament, this pattern. And what happens in this pattern is that Paul goes somewhere and maybe or maybe not, Timothy and Silas or a whole group of other Christians are with him. And then usually what happens is either Paul may send one of his delegates, one of his servants, one of his uh, spokesmen back to a place they've been before as they encounter trouble. Or he may leave them to the new said town that, that Paul is in. And Paul goes by himself to another town. And they split up at various times for various reasons. But in that, we see the uh, fast pace of Christianity. And, and granted, these things take place over uh, usually weeks or months or years. But it's not the uh, one guy in one place type model for a lifetime. But rather, they are on the move. And they are going from place to place. 
And as Paul does his initial work in these synagogues at these places and in these towns, he then leaves his, his uh, brothers in Christ, those whom he trusts, to lead and serve there and finish appointing and delegating leaders while he goes on to the next place. And this, this is why this is so important. This is the very uh, mode of operation for why we have First and Second Timothy and Titus. Um, because of this mode of operation, we see uh, Paul writing letters to Timothy and to Titus to encourage them and to continue to give them instruction because they're not together. And that's the reason they're not together because there's this crazy new message that Jesus has been uh, crucified and resurrected and that he is the fulfillment of all Old Testament uh, prophecy and he is the uh, savior of the world. And not only for the Jew, but also for the Greek, for, for everyone. And so uh, this, this news was too good to keep to themselves, and they are on this mission of sharing it with everyone they possibly can. Shortly after this, uh, Paul sends Timothy to Thessalonica, or you may um, think of the book Thessalonians. Um, and, and in sending him here, uh, we also see uh, Paul delegating to Timothy uh, to continue this work that's already been started previously. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7 together. Uh, they provide us a lot of information that's going to be really helpful as we delve into uh, what's going on here at this present uh, journey. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction. And as you know, it happened. For this reason, I could no longer stand it. I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. But now Timothy has come to us, from you and has brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith. And so we see here uh, an instance of Paul sending Timothy here to go check up on this church and to see how everyone's doing it in the midst of suffering and difficulty, and to make sure they're doing okay, make sure their faith is holding strong. And so if you'll look here with me at the map, we see Timothy going from Athens all the way to Thessalonica, and we see that he is doing this by himself, uh, as Paul would send him as a delegate. Um, while he's here, okay, like I said, fast-paced, moving Christianity. While Timothy is here, Paul uh, leaves to go to Corinth, right? Uh, maybe you will think of the book of Corinthians. Uh, so Timothy sent to Thessalonica. Paul is in Athens. Before Timothy can get back, Paul heads over to Corinthians where, where we're going to see Timothy meets back up with him. The verse here is Acts 18, chapter 18, verse 5. Uh, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself to preaching the word and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. So here, as we're getting to the end of this first journey, I, I want to mention that they then choose to stay here for about a year to a year and a half, uh, some time. So they're not there for a week or a month. They spend a significant amount of time here. We know that Corinth was um, a very strategically placed uh, church. Uh, if you'll look here with me. Let's see. We'll zoom in for you. Paul is here in Corinth, right in this area. Um, and this is right by the sea, uh, very famous for prostitution and also a huge, huge city, a very famous uh, place where uh, people would travel. And if you can just look at the landmass here, there's this uh, small land bridge here. So 
a lot of traffic here in a very strategic place to plant a church. And I want to mention here again um, this mode of operation for church planting and what was going on in the early church. And I want to take us over to Acts chapter 14, verse 23. In this one verse, we really see the, the mode of operation when they had appointed elders for them in every church and prayed with fasting. It says this, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Uh, in other words, when they had appointed elders or an, elders is another word for pastors. We'll get into that in this series. Uh, when they had appointed the, the elders, the pastors of those churches, they prayed over them, they fasted, and after wisely picking them, they moved on and they went to another place to start a new work. And because of some of this fast pacedness, because they didn't have time to just stay in one place forever, that wasn't what the Lord Jesus had commanded them. Uh, we also see that these uh, leaders, while well chosen, um, didn't always stick. And what would happen was they would stray into doctrinal error. They would be preaching a false gospel or sometimes it would lapse into sin, or, or these churches would fall into uh, great problems. And so this is the mode of operation. I also want to point you to uh, Titus chapter 1, verse 5, where we see the very same thing reverberated there. If you read right here, it says in uh, verse 5, Paul tells Titus, The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone. And as I directed you to appoint elders, plural, we'll talk about that later, in every town, okay? So uh, the mode of operation is go to Newtown, gather the believers, and then the apostle himself, Paul, or one of his many delegates, here it's Titus, and as we just finished looking at, we've seen this with Timothy too, and we'll look at in these pastoral epistles. But they appoint elders, they appoint pastors, they appoint leaders of these churches. And while keeping an eye on them, they're going to go to the next place. Because uh, this message is too important to stagnate. And so they have to continue moving while also carrying in their heart and their prayers these churches. And uh, we see this um, mode of operation all throughout the whole New Testament. And I think this is really helpful for us. I hope it's really helpful for you as a listener because this is how the whole church was founded. This is how Christianity started. And in that, it gives us a backdrop, a background to understand how all of the whole New Testament, all these letters of Paul, the context they're written in. These are letters written to these churches where they're bouncing around like a bouncing ball. Uh, and, and they are here, and then they are there, and then they're in another place. And Paul is going to a place, and then he's sending a delegate or a delegate staying, uh, namely maybe Timothy or Titus or others. And these are only, uh, so within the Bible, what I want to mention, these are the only things that are recorded that we have in the canon. And you better believe there were there were more servants of the church under Paul, and you better believe there were more churches established that we don't know about. And so this was the mode of operation, and we get a really good look at that uh, through these letters and, and through me jumping around the Bible uh, like a crazy man. We, we really start to get this picture of what things were like culturally for the church in the very beginning. Also, I just wanted to mention as a side note, Timothy in many ways is an unsung hero of the New Testament as he really helped Paul to uh, not only be with him numerous, numerous times. Uh, there's places in the New Testament where we'll see that Paul says that no one is like Timothy. And uh, we'll delve into that later on. But, but uh, Timothy also is a, a close companion with Paul. And he's also helping him to pen or write or think through uh, all these letters that are going to these various churches that they have sent. And so while Paul is, is usually the tower figure that we think of, Timothy is right there at his right hand. And uh, we need to uh, notice that and see that uh, not only for our deeper understanding of the Bible, but also for us to understand 
Um, just how important it is uh, for those leaders out there that we're raising up people that uh, it's not always the person in the front that you see, but sometimes there's someone uh, at their right hand that is doing just as much work as them. And I think it's a lesson uh, in, in learning that not everything can be done by one person. And even where there's great leaders, there's usually great servants behind them. Lastly, for uh, this video, what we're going to jump into uh, before we finish the introduction of, of the back, background and culture and backdrop of these texts, I want to mention uh, Paul's third missionary journey. So there's three missionary journeys. Uh, the first one, he gets uh, all the way to Lystra, where he meets Timothy, and God had ordained this friendship that we're going to see further uh, to where Paul and Timothy are close companions. And then Timothy is with him in the second missionary journey. And uh, also we see Timothy with Paul in his third missionary journey, which isn't as clear. Uh, we're not given all, as many details for that. And the reason we're going through this is because this is what lands Timothy at a place called Ephesus. You may think Ephesians, but this is where this journey lands Timothy in Ephesus as a overseer of this church temporarily, which is where we get first and second Timothy, the, the challenges and the struggles that are going on. And uh, we'll also see where uh, within these journeys, uh, Titus lands in a little place called Crete. And if you'll look at a, a map here with me, I'll show you where Crete is. This little island right here is where Crete would be, the city. And so uh, these things are so important for us to understand, not only so that we understand a, a map or history, but because in seeing these things, we, we see that uh, if you're like me, you, you may think of Timothy or Titus as a traditional pastor. And, and Paul just wrote this letter to these pastors and they're just sitting there at their churches. But it's actually a, a much, much more expansive and unique picture of what these guys were living through and experiencing. So if you'll look with me here, we see that Silas and Timothy join Paul in Corinth. As we mentioned, it's right here at this area by this port. And upon joining Paul in Corinth, Paul writes the book of Romans there, and they also stay here for about a year and a half. After this, uh, with, like I said, less information, uh, they pick up in Ephesus. So I'm going to click here uh, a map from Corinth to Ephesus. We see they'd have to go by boat. And uh, in Ephesus, in this, this third largest uh, city in the Roman Empire, would have had numbers upwards of 250,000 people. Uh, so not a small town by any, any means at all. So here in Ephesus, I want to mention that they stay here for two plus years, uh, Paul and Timothy. And this is where Timothy's uh, pastorate, if you will, we'll get into that. But, but this is where Timothy is going to be stationed uh, when Paul writes both First and Second Timothy. And Paul has gone through Ephesus, as is the mode of operation, and then leaves Timothy behind, poor guy. And he's left with this church with all kinds of problems. Uh, some of the problems of this church, they were straying in their doctrine. Um, another problem is that they were preoccupied with myths, um, false genealogies, endless genealogies, and speculating those, those kinds of things. They were also misusing the law that we find in the Old Testament. There was immorality going on. Also, uh, Paul would describe them as having seared consciences. Um, so there's some, some spiritual darkness going on in their minds and hearts. Another problem that we see is that for, they're forbidding marriage and certain kinds of foods. So obviously, uh, sharply, sharply, this church is, is departing from the Christian faith. And um, lastly, um, they're craving controversy and quarrels. We see this in uh, 1 Timothy 6.4. This is a really terrible thing. This is a <laughs> nightmare pastorate, a nightmare for any pastor. I don't want to go be the pastor there. Um, and lastly, they were using godliness for material gain. You might hear the words uh, prosperity gospel or in other words, you 
uh, get Jesus and I get some money. And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about pastors getting paid and what the Bible teaches actually in First Timothy and, and trying to use the gospel for a means of material gain. It's, um, it's just wrong. And uh, that's why we see Paul actually in certain circumstances would choose to not even let a church pay him because he didn't want to paint the wrong picture. So he would work for himself, even though he was entitled to receive financial uh, employment from these churches. If you'll look with me here at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8 through 10, I just want to read this. Uh, Paul says to uh, Timothy, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective ministry has been opened for me, yet many oppose me. Uh, if Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while with you because he is doing the Lord's work just as I am. So let's think about this. This is 1 Corinthians 16. So Paul is writing this to the Corinthians. So Paul is still in Ephesus and he's saying, uh, Timothy, right? But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost because a wide door for effective ministry has been opened for me. Yet many oppose me if Timothy comes to Corinth, see that he has nothing to fear while with you because he uh, is doing the Lord's work. So he's saying, look, um, Paul is going to go from Ephesus to Corinth and then he's probably going to leave because that's what he does. And then Timothy's going to come to Corinth and, and Paul is writing to the Corinthians while he's in Ephesus and he's saying, hey, accept him in um, and don't uh, discriminate against him. Don't look down on him because of his youth. Don't look down on him for any reason. I trust him. Uh, he's my right hand guy. So after this, uh, Acts chapter 19 and 20, chapter 19, there's a riot going on in Ephesus. Um, and right after this, as we just talked about in 1 Corinthians, right after this, uh, Paul and Timothy are rejoined back together in Jerusalem. So if you look here with me at the map, we'll see that um, we go from Ephesus, right, all the way through to Antioch as uh, Paul is headed towards Jerusalem. And at, an, at some point, Timothy, poor old Timothy, is left behind in Ephesus, where we will pick up with First uh, Timothy and Second Timothy, where he is trying to wrestle through some of those things I mentioned that they're struggling through. And so with this, I just want to read a few things, get a couple doctrinal things passed down to us. Uh, including church order, uh, church structure, church government, uh, Christian ethics, uh, false doctrine, and also ministry instructions. Also, we're going to see ministry qualifications. And uh, Paul is going to really help Timothy sift through getting clear on what the church looks like and what uh, God has intended for his people there. And we are so blessed because of the great struggle that Timothy had to go through as a pastor and Paul had to help him with because in this, we get to look over the shoulder and see this letter of what does a church need to look like? What does um, these offices, what do they need to look like? What do the qualifications need to be? What does a healthy church, how does it function? What does it look like? Um, so in this, as I said, we're so blessed and we really get to see uh, the, the church how it's meant to be. So in this series, uh, I know this was a lengthy introduction and I'm still getting used to uh, this gear technology software, but we're going to be going through all six chapters of 1 Timothy. We're going to be going through all four chapters of 2 Timothy and we're going to go through all three chapters of Titus. And this is an introduction to all of these, and we're going to group them uh, all together. As we talked a little bit about uh, Timothy, um, I also want to mention Titus. As I showed you before, Titus is uh, on this uh, city in Crete. See if we can find Crete. There it is. Right around here in, in Crete, 
Titus is commissioned by Paul, just like Timothy would be, to oversee a church there as one of his delegates. And so um, we see some overlap. Here's what I want you to look for. Overlap that's going to be in Timothy and in Titus. We're going to see that Paul tells them the same things because God wants the same thing in, in a certain way from churches. Uh, the same qualifications for leaders, the same offices in churches. And so we're going to see some overlap. I want you to look for that. What we're also going to see is that Paul has a very close relationship with both of these brothers. But uh, quite frankly, it seems that for whatever reason, whether uh, distance or whatever, Paul had a very close relationship with Timothy like a son. And uh, we'll see at the end of 2 Timothy, right before Paul's martyrdom, that uh, he's going to request Timothy come see him before he's killed. So just a a, a quick recap on Timothy's life as we're looking at Timothy. Um, He was born probably around A.D. 30, somewhere in that ballpark. And then at some point, we're not sure, Um, either preceding to or during Paul's first missionary journey uh, from Tarsus to Lystra, uh, Timothy's converted. He's born again. And uh, in that, right after he then travels with Paul on his second missionary journey along with Silas, and they go to the long, long, long list of different places. They're establishing new churches. They're appointing leaders. And then as they go to the next places, they're also sending letters back trying to oversee problems that they're bumping into and people that they're bumping into that is a cause for concern for the church. After that, so uh, Paul would have and Timothy would have traveled around 50s, 60s uh, AD. And then after that, uh, somewhere in the mid 60s, we have uh, Timothy being left at Ephesus to oversee this church, this special assignment and mission because of the extensive amount of problems they're facing. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Timothy's going to have to kick out some pastors and, and do some different things. But uh, Timothy is in Ephesus, and by the writing of the second letter of Second Timothy, Paul is in prison. And um, he is writing again still to Timothy in Ephesus, Uh, in a similar vein, um, but also asking him to come visit him before uh, his death. And so that would have been uh, somewhere around the late 60s AD when when Paul was killed. And uh, I also wanted to mention uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs is a very good resource for uh, church history and understanding what happened in the um, apostles and their delegates, how they were killed. Um, But also uh, for Timothy... Church tradition tells us uh, something quite interesting. It says that uh, in Timothy's uh, later life, latter life, according to a passage in Hebrews, uh, it mentions Timothy's release at the end of Hebrews uh, from prison. So it seems that at some point, Timothy, uh, to fill in the rest of his life, served some kind of prison sentence, at least one uh, that's mentioned in the scriptures. Also, uh, it seems that there is a festival that occurred to Dionysus. uh, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, A god of um, chaos and namely uh, wine grapes. And so if you can imagine, um, there's this drunken, crazy, like he's also called the god of insanity, of just people going um, wild. And uh, Timothy is, uh, according to tradition, out there preaching uh, the gospel to them. And uh, in that, he is killed in his late age. And that uh, ends Timothy's life. And so that's a little bit about background. I hope this is helpful. I hope this is a good use of your time. And I hope this gives you a clear picture of the early church and how things happened and how things got started um, and how these first churches were born, of which the whole New Testament is uh, built upon these missionary journeys of these apostles. And then from there, 
Um, these apostles also have to lead and guide these churches and on what to believe and how to practice and, and what to uh, what to do for church structure, church leadership, maintaining order and dealing with various problems. So through these books, we're going to see proper Christian ethics. We're going to see uh, church structure, leadership, and we're going to see um, problems that pastors face, that churches face. And I just want to encourage you, submit your questions um, in the uh, comments down below. Um, if this content is helpful to you in any way, um, like, subscribe, uh, join us uh, on this journey together. I'm learning, I'm growing as I'm studying these things. And my prayer is, my hope is, is that uh, I'm able to share these things in, in such a way with you that you are able to grow in your faith and into a, a deeper understanding and knowledge of God's Word that uh, you would mature and that you would uh, um, have a, a deep-seated faith and that you would uh, be able to, uh, with, with us, jump into these pastoral epistles with a, a clear understanding. And as we study these together, my desire for you is that you would be able to uh, rightly interpret God's word and, and also begin to ask hard questions about church life. What should we be doing? What should we be focused on? Uh, what's right church behavior? What's wrong church behavior? And then in a loving way to, to look at your situation, to look at your church and say, man, am I attending a church that's being faithful? Am I being a faithful part of a church? Um, in all these uh, various questions, we'll also talk about church structure. This is going to be really important, and we're going to get into elders, pastors, deacons. We'll get into bishops. We'll get into the Catholic Church and and why you need to follow the Pope on Twitter so you don't have so much time in purgatory. And uh, yeah, we'll also talk about men and women in the church and looking to do some book reviews. Uh, so anyways, this was the introduction to the pastoral epistles, the background behind the pastoral epistles. So you have a clear understanding before we dive right into the text, which is uh, what I'm really looking forward to, where I feel most gifted in. And uh, from there, we will uh, apply God's word to our lives. Thank you for joining us and look forward to having you again. Look forward to interacting with you. <laughs>